0: So, Jack, how has performing and musical theatre helped to shape you as a person? So,
1: in many ways, obviously creativity. I'd say grounding and being present in the moment has really helped me through from musical theatre. Things like discipline would be one of the skills that have profoundly been helpful, but also across all sectors of my life. Physically, I've become healthier and my mental health has really, really, really improved just from exercising, but exercising through avenues of which that you actually really enjoy. So like dance and singing. And yeah, so obviously like physical flexibility, but also in the sense that it's given me opportunities in creative fields. So like a metaphorical flexibility and the agency to just express yourself and be free.
0: And and kind of when did you first start performing how did you kind of go into that uh, studying that or like going into that industry so i was always singing and
1: dancing as a child and my mother decided to put me into different dance and um, musical theater schools so from quite a young age i was always expressing myself i was also the head chorister at my local church which i had a scholarship to do classical singing and piano so my foundations were quite solid um, and always having this key, really, in, like, really deep interest in expressing myself in musical theatre, to which I then studied a level six diploma in musical theatre. And then, yeah, I'm now just trying to continue being creative and making sure that I'm keeping up my technique, my training. So yeah, it's been the a whole, a whole ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and what part of performing arts do you most enjoy? Um, like performing arts being the medium of self-expression?
1: I love to dance
0: um,
1: because there are so many different techniques that you can channel your thoughts, you can channel your feelings, different types of music, beats, grooves, and you can just vibe to any type of genre as long as you have foundations or rhythm. I used to study a lot of aerial techniques, um, the newest being pole, which, by the way, is the hardest I've ever, out of all of the aerial hoop and silk that I've been doing. Um, but I am loving it and that's obviously really like sassy and sensual but really really difficult you have to have a lot of strength and um yeah singing would be an obvious one so you can find songs you relate to or create songs that physically
0: project your internal feelings to an external art form and has has you been a part of like um like musicals or performances live performances that, that are quite memorable for you? So a lot of the
1: performances I had done were like through different um, institutions, the most recent one being Legally Blonde, I played Kyle B.O. Boyle, so I was the delivery man and that was just so much fun, it was it was really light-hearted. I did get offered the lead but um, I was at King's University at the time and I was struggling with the workload so I thought to myself let's not push myself, let me take a smaller more comedic role which wasn't really like me because I'd, I'd love to be the lead and I love the singing role but yeah it just was so much fun and i hadn't been performing for a while because i was focusing on my english so that one would be a big one for for me to remember definitely
0: and and uh, you know especially last year as we know last year was quite a difficult time for all of us because we were all in, in kind of lockdown and stuff so like mm. did you rehearse kind of during lockdown or like continue to to dance and sing during that time Well dance classes have been really
1: limited but we I had different avenues to you know like zoom links and online learning just to keep up flexibility and technique however having said that it was really difficult I know for a lot of people they were on their fitness or they weren't I progressively got worse each lockdown so the first lockdown I was doing the most and then By the third one, I just sort of had given up. And I think a lot of people could relate to that or like in the other way, other order. Um, But yeah, definitely, I didn't want to just waste the year and completely, you know, it's my passion. I can't just put put a a stop to it because other people can't facilitate a, a place for me to stretch. You know, I need to manage it and find my own pathways and avenues to continue doing what I
0: love. And, and how did you, because I, I know at the moment you have a, a career or like a, a creative background in, in writing. And I was just wondering how you went. Have you, have you always been writing since young or has this been more of like a recent thing that you realise that you enjoy like creative writing and, and spoken word? I reckon it would be so obviously with going to
1: university and college and studying English I knew that I wanted to be writing and be a journalist and initially I had I'd always thought it would be a musical theatre like column or something similar to that but I've also been interested with um, arts and culture and social impact Uh, being mixed race and gay there's a lot of different issues that I just felt really frustrated with and I guess that is the sort of launch where I said to myself, actually, I do want to make a change and I do want to create impact. And there's just so many different events, especially like with George Floyd and being broadcasted all over the world. I I just felt so saddened, but like in a way selfishly frustrated. Like, what am I, why am I, why do I feel like this? And what can I do to make myself but also change the impact of others and start a conversation? So that's I guess I'd these like pinnacle moments of my life just started to make me kickstart. That was obviously the most recent one, but kickstart this new idea of actually I could be, I I do have a passion for performing arts and I do have a passion for writing, but there is more to be said than just singing and dancing. There's, There's creativity, there's social impact, there's conversations. And that's sort of where I kind of birthed my
0: writing career. And, and kind of why, why are these areas for you important? Why are they so, why is it so important for you to, to f- focus around these areas or, or write more in, in, in these kind of ways? So I think being mixed race and gay, like being part of
1: intersectional marginalised communities, you're always faced with additional injustices and therefore activism and social impact always will like guide me because that's is, is sort of a part of me. So I think th- that's the reason why. And then obviously I don't wanna be representing something that's not true or something that's inauthentic. So I guess that's why I focus on those areas. I do like to play around with some more light, lighter stuff like lighter poetry or reviews and things like that. But my main focus, I think from essay writing a lot, I just have this like click and like studying history as well. I just know that I need to like spark spark conversation be educational and like you can't really do that from a place other than your own heritage or your own community so I think that's the reason why that is the main
0: focus and and could you see yourself in the future performing in like spoken word events or kind of or have you already done have you already done like poetry events and So I've been I went I recently went to a queer poetry event
1: in Vauxhall and they were amazing. My friend and her mum brought me there and it was to sort of show to introduce me to these people. But they you know, they were absolutely amazing and they all had their books published and for people to buy. So it's definitely something that I've been speaking to my friends. I know they have a place in Brixton as well that we'd be talking about going to open mics and stuff, but looking at the standard and the quality and the public the, the published books and everything. I really do not have a big enough portfolio for that as of yet, but it's definitely
0: something that I'm really looking forward to doing in the future. Because there's a there's a spoken word event that I went to recently and it was like a combination of of spoken word and music, but the theme was in relation to drug abuse or or, or mm. how addictive drug usage can get. Um, and it's called Outlier and it was it was in Bristol while I was here but I just thought
1: that's cool I just thought
0: it'd be interesting to share that with you because it might be something you you, you, I I feel like it it was really good like it was probably Mm. I haven't gone that's the first like kind of gig or like theatre performance I've been since before lockdown so yeah um, I can yeah I'll send you the details for that
1: yeah live performance is just amazing especially that the queer poetry night that I went to was the first live performance gig that I'd been to and it was just so great it's just so amazing to be in like close proximity to like-minded people or other people that enjoy live performance and that came to support it was just yeah it was lovely
0: would you say that being part of the lgbtq plus community has helped you uh, like impacted on how you write or changed the way you've written
1: I guess it obviously guides me to create pictures and article ideas. Um, Yeah, as as I said, being like intersectional. But I think having the freedom to express who I am and challenge my identity and push boundaries, which a lot of LGBTQ plus people go through, especially for myself coming from quite an accepting family, I think that type of creativity can be seen and relayed through writing not understanding who you are and wanting to sort of push boundaries to clock. Oh, actually, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to change, but I'm going to explore here, there and everywhere. And that happened to me throughout my whole life. And I think that is really pure and like the core of creativeness and wonder and searching. And I think that's where my the same type of correlation in my mind happens, thinking about pitching ideas. What is kind of off? What's off key? What is what's not you know and I think so I definitely do think that it's helped me support my writing ideas this
0: is quite a controversial question but it just came to mind do you feel like there's pressure being part of the LGBT community to, to like write and, and 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 then create and explore that the kind of issues behind it or, or like LGBTQ rights do you feel like there's like a pressure to if you're a part of that you have to make work about that
1: I I don't think there is, but I think if you initiate and um, produce work and put yourself out there, then you can't, there's no time for one hit wonders. Like you need to be actively engaged in your community. It's like when, you know, when people said your silence is violence and that was a trend. How can that be a trend? Because later on, take Palestine, people are silent again. But if you're all under the same type of oppression, then shouldn't you be speaking up for every single event? In terms of if you just want to be, if you if you're just gay or you, you you're not a writer, then no, you don't you don't need to. You just be you and be happy. But you know you should support everyone. But you don't have to be a writer and, and you know campaign or anything
0: like that. And and how did you end up becoming a freelance journalist and a monthly commissioner for LGBTQ plus magazine, Scene Magazine?
1: So I think I just started writing a portfolio and it just kept on being, it just kept growing and I never really stopped. I thought I'd like finally get a portfolio and then apply for a a job, but I actually just received a DM on Instagram from them and uh, we had a call over Zoom and you next, next thing I know, I'm the monthly commissioner, but that was such a good feeling. Um, Really affirming to know that an established magazine thinks my work is worthy, but yeah, I think, in terms of freelancing it's been quite difficult with picking up new jobs um, and trying to send out pitches because I do as I've got this monthly commission it's great but I do definitely want to branch out and start working with different magazines on a freelance
0: basis. And and you spoke a bit about creating your portfolio and you, you kind of have to do that in order to to you know, kind of get better jobs or get better opportunities and stuff. Have you, have you made a start to it already? Are you still like in the planning process? What, in terms of my portfolio? Yeah. Yeah. So it's
1: just never really stopped. (laughs) I just like keep adding. So I've, I've just sort of sectioned them off. And so you can see like, for example, on Instagram, I guess that is partly a portfolio and I've put guides up. So it, it would be like modeling shoots or articles or scene magazine. And then, inside my doc, my personal documents it would then be listed via magazines and then via categories so like social impact black lives matter art and arts culture so yeah and then you can kind of just curate your own portfolio without having to do too much and send the relevant ones to the
0: relevant people because this year was quite a ex- significant time for us within ethnic minority obviously because mm. of the Black Lives Matters movement. I was wondering if you kind of did any writing around that time or had kind of, you had like an impact on, on, on the, the movement, on, on the protests and stuff? Yeah, definitely. I had, I had felt
1: really frustrated and upset and it did uh, sort of launch a lot more seriousness into my independent writing I remember hearing someone like being really horrible to me saying that you're jumping on bandwagons, which was just like so stupid because I'm part of both communities and it's not selfish because I wasn't doing it for selfish means. I wanted to start a conversation. I wanted to do my part. And that wasn't just the only part I was doing. And this is like in terms of an Instagram post. But um, yeah, it gave me the agency to really refine my narrative and what I want to do. And if there's some negative comments on the way, then they've just pushed me even further to do what I need to do. Um, And yeah, in terms of this, and also in terms of lockdowns as well, because it's been hard for everyone. Obviously, ethnic minorities, it's been really difficult, especially having this double bang in in the pandemic. But you know what? It's given me time, baby. And I've got that portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) I've a lot of writing on there, so yeah. It's, it's been a blessing in disguise because it has really given me a kick into the industries and you know, being creative in the ways that I've always wanted to be.
0: And do you feel like we've moved forward as a society based on, on that event? Well, I saw some statistics recently which says otherwise
1: uh, across all different uh, heritage and nationalities. However... I don't know how, I don't, you know, I can't really speak for other countries or other nationalities, but I do think that the, the impact has been really shocking um, and there is still loads to be done and that's just that's just the way it is. There's no end to this or at least in the foreseeable future for us, but yeah, the, the impact will continue to grow as it always has done. And so will the movements and so will individuals and conversations and stuff. So, yeah, I'm still trying to stay positive.
0: Well, that's, that's good to hear. No, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, it, it's, a lot, it's a slow process. Things will slowly change over time, but it won't be like an immediate new or like a new normal because we're still dealing with this after centuries of, of dealing with it. Um, yeah, it's not going to take a summer. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to, you know, next year, it's not going to be done and over. We're going to have to keep on adjusting the system or, or, or trying yeah. to change. And, and we're speaking from
1: Western ideologies and, like, central capitals and stuff. You know, there's it's not, we can't really speak about other other places unless you have, like, context there, and I'm pretty sure it's not moving as fast. And even here, it's not moving fast enough. So, but the work just still needs to be done, and I'm happy to...
0: Be like part of that. So we're going to move on to light skin privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wondering, do you think there's, do you think light skin privilege is a thing? And if so, is it a problem within modern day society?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. So obviously, it stems from like colonialism, colorism, and racism, which is cemented into our society. And whether that's microaggressions, appropriation of culture and mainstream beauty standards, it's like, it's here. Like you can't, you can't deny that it's here. So it's, you know, it's shameful and it varies systemically, but I think, you know, overtly and internally, even in our own like marginalized communities as well, even in some, you know, that there's this whole bleaching stuff and, and in other countries and in this country, and there are loads of privileges that are just very, you can't just say that it's not there. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> so
0: yeah, 100% it's here and it's an issue. And, and can you think of an experience where you've been part of, of light skin privilege or? You, or... Um,
1: I don't really, I don't really know. I don't think it's for me to decipher like who and where, but as I'm white passing, and this is concreted in every sector of society and working industries. So I guess that means my whole life has been a part of light skin privilege. If you see what I mean, I can't pinpoint it, but because this is just a the fact, then I'd say,
0: yeah, just like everywhere. It has to be. Because I, I read an article uh, from BBC about kind of light skin celebrities excelling more in, like, in comparison to, to dark-skinned celebrities based on mm. their skin colour and whether that, that is actually, actually a thing and the controversy surrounding that. But that's because they
1: have the access to a lot easier. If it was a level playing field, I don't think that these statistics would be the same at all. It's like you have to give five steps back to reach the same goal or success. So like those but then you see that's it's controversial but then
0: at the same time it's just really straightforward. It is controversial because people will base it off skin color, and the way I see it, at the end of the day, whether you're light skin or dark skin, we're all black. <laughs> so, what, so why why is yeah. there that that kind of like separation in who excels more, who has more success, or whatever? Like I I. Yeah, oh, it's just a form of segregating and yeah. categorizing. That's one of the issues we have within our society. We, I, have a, I have a major problem with categorization and like the way, as a society, we, we put people into, into different subgroups or different groups because based on their skin color. Um, mm. But s- similar to, to the Black Lives Matter movement, this is something we're going to have to deal with for a very long time. It's not going to just change out of nowhere. And it is a thing. I think people need to have kind of have a wake up and realise that yeah. these issues do exist.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a way, I think it's especially in our society and our generation, there is this whole way of thinking and it's not so overtly dangerous, but it is problematic. And you can't just be like flying out these sort of, beauty standards and appropriation or like being a lighty slayer or doing this and and you know it's just not it's just not cool I don't I don't rate it at all and it's just not going to help
0: progression. Would you say that this is another quite controversial question but would you say in your career or your in your life has there been times where it's similar to the last question but has there been times where you've I don't know you've been in a situation where you, you think you've got this opportunity based on your heritage or your skin colour, or like, you know, you, you being gay or, or whatever, do, do you feel like depending on who you are as a person, that helps to excel you as an individual? I remember one time having
1: um, this work experience with this really, really lovely girl. And she was telling me about herself and I, she was helping me write stuff for you Cass and she just said to me like play to your strengths like you are you and you are fabulous and that's what people want to see which was so good but then I remember going out into like the real world and going to applying for jobs and stuff and then it just kind of just like hit me although yes play to your strengths but when these old white men approach you and say Oh, we're not gonna tokenize you, I promise. And then you're in their meetings, and they're all gay old white men. It's like, well, you are tokenizing me. And the only parts of my writing that you enjoy is when I write about black black people or being mixed. And it's just, I obviously had got it. And I think there's definitely other jobs that I've got in the past, um, especially in retail, for like just being good-looking, mixed, like tan skin like lighter skinned you know i think and especially when i've gone with like a dark skinned friend as well and they've been like they've aced the group interviews and shit and it's just really yeah it's just been it's so easy to just disconnect and disassociate with it with these types of they're not concepts they're reality but you it's easy because i'm on the brighter side of it rather than you know the other side of it so Yeah, I definitely think, yeah, as I said before, it it just, it must happen. It happens to everyone their
0: whole life. And do you feel like there's any barriers for you being light-skinned and openly gay? Not really. (laughs) I don't think so,
1: no. Well, I think the only thing is, like, being lost a little bit because I know what heritage I feel closest to. I I know that I came from a single-parent home, a single-parent Caribbean home. And I still have in times felt like I'm appropriating. And that is a barrier when in actuality, I'm representing my culture and I'm not profiting in any type of way. So, I mean, other than that, I feel pretty comfortable.
0: This is another thing that has just come to mind. Within the ethnic minority, within, within, within the black background, I think the minority group or you know, family, friends, whatever, do you feel like, well, in particular from families, do you feel like there's expectations of how people, or like you being black or you being light-skinned, how people want you, to, you should become, or like how, how people perceive you, you know? Because I, I can give a little example just to, to give you an idea. My my family, for example, um, when I told them that I was going to study a creative subject or study photography or even when I spoke openly about my sexuality, they had kind of had a, like a preconceived expectation. Mm. Um, and that caused a lot of problems because but that's not how like, they, they thought my, my, my career path was gonna go or whatever I was, you know, originally they wanted me to just do English or something. like For them, they see that as not too creative. It's, it's more structured and formal and you're going down one path rather than going into a creative subject where it's kind of just all open um yeah so I was wondering in in your kind of your experience with family um has there been any of those kind of like expectations of things you what what they think you should be doing and stuff um
1: yeah I mean
0: I think in terms of I
1: think it's more to do in terms of sexuality rather than race um but my dad's like ex-SAS and like this military guy who like owns a building business and that's just not my thing. Sorry, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, you know, I just can't. And so obviously there's expectations for him and his two sons to be like all athletic and da. like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, I'm disassociating from all of that kind of business. Um, and then I think I have I'm more open with like these conversations about sexuality and stuff with my mum. And I think there is this like older generation that has this like generation generalizing or like stereotyping people or just like not understanding or have like this preconceived notion of like what they believe something other than their own per- uh, sexuality is because they just have been told it and they don't really like learn. So, I guess I just had to sort of break down those barriers of like, oh no, like I'm not, I'm not doing anything like wrong. I'm being creative. I'm, you know, expressing myself doing this. Me putting on, I don't know, I used to, I, my mom like fully supports me, but, you know, if I put on a Batman suit on, this is on Christmas with, bat, with, with massive chunky heels, I am Batwoman with chunky heels and there's nothing you can tell me. I'm not going to, I'm not deciding to change my gender. I'm not, I'm not being a drag queen for the rest of my life. Like you don't need to just like, you you don't need to put these barriers around what I'm doing and be like, okay, we need to talk about this issue. We just let it go and we'd be free. And yeah, that's kind of, So I quite like, and I'm in the sense that if I did that kind of stuff in front of my dad, it would be very questionable. And I'm just not here for the questions, but I will slowly educate him. But I think it's been so much easier with my mother to just sort of express myself and not have so many judgments or like being so like diplomatic about everything, just like sort of more relaxed.
0: Because I think the way I see it anyway, there's like a, there's like a, there's a difference. There's a difference between someone who, because I feel like with parents especially, it's more so the reason that they don't understand it. That's why they question it. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's not because they disagree with it. You know, say say they have quite a religious background, maybe then so. But I I came to learn that my my mum, it was more of, she she just didn't understand it. It wasn't a, th- a thing for her when she was growing up. So. Mm. She kind of didn't know how to deal with that kind of information and it took a long a long time to like for her to kind of get used to it and to kind of understand. But I think you're right to say like the same way you're like kind of educating your 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 dad about in- instead of like lashing out, because I think that's that's for me anyway, that's the wrong approach. Mm. Like, to lash out when someone disagrees or, or or doesn't understand. If you just educate and over time they'll become more and more comfortable and aware things yeah they say and and you as an individual yeah definitely so what was your coming out experience like
1: so my coming out experience was fine really like I really enjoyed I didn't really come out to my mom she just was she always just knew I was I was gay and there's like this one cute story, which I don't know if I can remember, but or if it's like I've remembered the story being told. It's like this iconic story of this purple flamenco dress where I was like five or seven and I went to this shop in Hampstead and I said, I wanted that dress. And then apparently there was some controversy in the shop, but the shopkeeper like went around to me after my mom had bought it and said, you're so lucky to have a mother like yours. So I think she just like let me have free reign of my identity and that obviously, I just didn't really feel the need to come out to her. I think maybe like I've had like a couple of conversations, but with my dad, it was slightly different. I remember at the time I was probably 18 or 19 um, and I just, my stepmom is quite like flamboyant and she kind of just knows as well. But um, yeah, I just asked them like, yo, can my boyfriend come over? And then it was really kind of, I just wanted it to be casual. That's why I said it so casually. And the next day when we turned up, she had invited all of her gay friends. And we had this massive coming out party on the fucking rooftop. (laughs) And it was, yeah, it was fun and it was great. But she kind of made it about herself. (laughs) But it it was really enjoyable. And I did have a good time. So yeah I mean I, I've been quite lucky in that sense oh yeah and my dad cried and he never cries so but in a good way so mm. I was like oh shit okay so I mean yeah I've been I've been quite lucky to have such like, accepting parents and family
0: well, what advice would you give someone who say doesn't have so so much accepting parents in terms of coming out or sharing that with their with their
1: family I think you know there's no validation that you can be from your chosen family. Chosen family is everything. You can find bonds anywhere from anyone and everyone and everywhere. And I think sometimes they're even that more special because you're. It's not like an obligation. It's chosen and it's and it's received on both ends. I think finding communities, finding people that you can relate to is just, yeah, you can't get anything better than that. So I'd, I'd say, you know, sometimes it's difficult for other people and for, especially as we said, older people and particular generations or whether it might be their religion. And that, and that must be really, really difficult. And I can't speak on behalf of how that would feel, but I do know that there's love out there to be given and to be received from other communities and people like yourself. Hi, my name's Jack Groves, and this is my poem, Light Skin Privilege. Black Lives Matter As a mixed black, Caribbean and white person, who can pass as white, who can see institutionalised racism always in sight, light skin privilege is a thing too. It's not something you choose. Confused as to where I should stand, mentally infused, yet disproportionately diffused and somehow biased. How can you say it with your chest, yet be afraid to appropriate culture embedded in your own heritage because of the melanin in your skin? I don't think that's a sin lost in a paradox of confusion illusion institutionalized delusion. but it's clear to me it's clear to see the world is tapped emotionalism cracked it's clear to see light skin privilege means a lot of things things that you cannot help but given the privilege to change things that need not stay the same things to cherish and be proud appreciate and be loud your voice your sound black lives matter because yours already does Black Lives Matter,
0: because yours already does. How do you think we can remove the negative stigma surrounding light skin privilege? Oh, this is a sticky one, because
1: <laughs> I don't think there is a negative stigma. I think it's a fact which unreasonably helps particular skin tones. I think it needs to be recognised, but rather than removing light skin privilege stigma I think we should uplift and represent inclusion with all other voices so that their stigma is removed
0: and like wh- wh- kind of why do you think because for others there they may for for example for me I feel like there's a negative stigma um but like obviously for others that the, there won't be so kind of why why do you think there isn't for you
1: well i think in terms of privilege stigmatizing privilege is quite trivial i think that you can if it's if it's a, if there is privilege attached to it then and neg- it depends if this if, if if because it's a negative stigma i think where you have privilege there's not that much negativity rather to yourself but there is to the other skin tones that are not light-skinned so I think that is why rather than removing a stigma just recognize it and uplift the other ones so that we can all be on a level playing field and, and what does it mean for you to be light-skinned I recognize that I'm light-skinned but I don't feel defined by it I guess I think I mentioned earlier it can feel quite lonely and like you don't fit in but being, you know, I come from a single parent home and I've been surrounded by fabulous Caribbean women. <laughs> and like, despite being born here, I do feel closer to that heritage. Um, There is, I can quote some, a part of my poem, Light Skin Privilege. How can you say it with your chest, yet be afraid to appropriate culture embedded in your own heritage because of the menoline in your skin? and those lines they kind of represent beauty and brutality of intersectionality and i guess what i have constituted as pride and why sometimes pride has been shy um but yeah it's just a fear of appropriation because of being intersectional but so whereby you have light skin and you you i personally feel closer to that heritage and therefore I shouldn't be afraid. It's just, yeah, it comes with a little bit of shyness and timidness because people, you know, people are judgmental and they see, th- see things face frontal.
0: So Jack has written an article called Toxic Masculinity, Who Are You?, published by CNN Magazine, where he explores his preconditional idea of normative sexuality. And in the article, you said, as a young gay boy, Year seven, at an all-boys an all state school in London, masculinity was the thing that gave you ratings. Being anything other allowed reservation for bullying. Bullying made me question my identity. Who was I? Who did I want to be? My identity was something that they could never take away from me. So could you possibly expand on what you meant by this and how bully, being bullied made you question your identity? So... I guess
1: being bullied for not being masculine made me question why I wasn't or how I could change that you know like what was wrong with me the way I naturally was presenting myself and it just yeah it made me question my identity and if anything that's I spoke earlier about boosting your creativity and The realm a myriad of these possibilities and ambiguities and androgyny whereby you can just be so free and allowed that journey to help you navigate yourself around creative sectors or your creative medium so yeah it kind of helped me towards the end but it was difficult because I wasn't accepted for just being me
0: why do you think you weren't being accepted? What? Why do you think you kind of experienced that during like being at school and stuff? Why do you think people kind of have difficulties with accepting people who are like different or?
1: I think that this happened like quite early on and I had to, I was getting into loads of different fights and people were just scared of, I think they were scared of something that was other than themselves. And that is really sad because they haven't been cultured or experienced anything other than binary ideologies or anything other than themselves or their own small culture. So I then moved schools because of all the fights and bullying and I went to a mixed school which this is now a mixed school um, and they had no uniform and then, and freedom and creativity was celebrated and i had a lot less of a difficult time there and it you know i think it's just being exposed to the right types of people the right the, the right environment which really can shape a young person's mind because you know there's still there's, negative things still happen but it just wasn't at the scale of being locked up in an all-boys school where the only thing
0: that got you ratings was being masculine. In relation to this, recently I found out that um, one of my friend's children at their school, they've started doing, well, for, for this month especially, they had like a pride day where they just came in and kind of dressed up in a kind of like rainbow kind of type clothing just to celebrate... Mm. Pride Day and diversity and inclusivity and, and do you feel like having those kind of days because obviously when, when I was at school you know Pride, Pride Day wasn't a thing like they wouldn't introduce that into the into the school system so do you think it's a good idea that schools and education institutions kind of explore that and, and kind of have those events?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's great. I, I wrote an article about um, the axing of the anti-bullying LGBTQ plus fund, which was so quietly removed that nobody wanted to talk about it and wasn't really publicised that much. So I do think that these days it's exposure and it is it's brilliant. I think don't uh, capitalise pride or put a rainbow stamp for one, one time in a month don't you know profit from it but if it's going to help expose other children and perhaps their narrowed mindedness stemming from their family or culture then yeah brilliant go for it and hopefully that you know people will be able to feel more comfortable coming out or expressing themselves or feeling accepted and wanted within their school within their education
0: and their peers and their students and teachers and friends and so on. Do you feel like Pride Month could be, because yeah, Pride Month is a yearly thing, but some people see it as like an all year round thing. And do you feel like there could be more events or more, you know, instead of just narrowing it down to one month, do you think there could be more events throughout the year or more, more months within the year?
1: Is this in terms of in education? No, just in I'd say just in general. Um, well, I think in general, I think that the, for, for inside education, you can be inclusive by having people of colour on your books and gay couples or, uh, you know, gender non-conforming people or whoever on in their books or their textbooks. You can have Pride Month and have specific days to celebrate you know the death of the pioneers or you know the trans activists or something you know just it doesn't have to be one month that we just get to wear rainbows Um, and there are very iconic and specific dates and humans that have that should be celebrated just as high as all of the others I'm not and you know celebration is like we see annual events as celebrations but pride is really about asking for equal rights and celebrating, whilst that is true, but there is a lot of work that goes on behind it afterwards during. So I feel proud of the past and what, what everyone's done and I'm proud to be part of the future, but I don't necessarily think there needs to be more pride because people are already still so upset <laughs> that there's not <laughs> straight prides and stuff like that. So. I think there there could be more recognition around the year, but I don't think there needs to necessarily be, like, a whole month, another whole month. Plus, we get prides, and we do get
0: prides in different
1: months, so it's kind of all summer, which is pretty cool.
0: As I know, a lot of people point to artists like RuPaul and Lady Gaga helping them accept themselves to coming out. Was there Mm. anyone that helped you come to terms with your your identity?
1: Um, I didn't really have a like a celebrity icon I think my mom was probably the biggest person that helped me just because she's like been my biggest supporter she's always allowed me to be who I am and just loved me unconditionally despite like being a bit wild or crazy and you know I've just had big inspirations through so directly by these really strong intelligent powerful women so like my sister as well um, and she is just amazing and such a big inspiration. And then I guess my friends too, they've they've taught me how to grind and how to persevere through tough times. So I think I'm quite lucky to have quite a solid structure of um, friends and family that are just so close to me. So I don't have to look far. And the, yeah, because I think, I was thinking if there were to be like icons, I don't think it would be in terms of coming to my identity i think i pick and choose from a, ver- a variety of different um celebrities to sort of different references or even time or you know just i don't i don't really have one but if i do it'll be my mom <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and and in the same article you you discuss so you, there's a section about nonsense nonsense phrases so you go on to mm. say we've all heard absolutely nonsense phrases. Boys don't cry, man up, be a real man, etc. Mm. Men should not feel pressured physically and mentally strong. These phrases advocate for men to not express their feelings in fear of being anti-masculine or girly. As a young mm-hmm. boy, I didn't want to be masculine. So so why did you feel these phrases advocate for men to not express their feelings?
1: Well. The first one, boys don't cry, is literally telling them to not express their feelings. <laughs> so, but also homonormative binary gender has been socially constructed. But the question here is why these constructs have allocated personality traits that are literally glued to them. So theoretically if there are more fluid genders and boys are feminine and girls are masculine or girls are fluid then I think these concepts and constructs become fragile because they're detached from this glued on personality trait that we have supposed oh this masculine means like holding a hammer or whatever that means so I think men's men's mental health is so stigmatized and these phrases just need to go in the bin
0: and and kind of why why do you feel these phrases are being used today? And, and how can we like move past or progress from not using these phrases?
1: I think that we've all we all agree like they're outdated and that they shouldn't be used, but it's more like the thinking behind it. However, I think we can collectively redefine masculinity and understand what it means to be masculine and then these glued traits wouldn't seem so like isolated for men. So I guess if you take, you can have masculine LGBTQ plus people or, you know, like butch queens with massive pecs and Cardi B nails, (laughs) you know, like there's different types of masculinity and masculinity is in everyone. It's, It's not, it's in furniture. It's not just in men and their emotions and i think these sort of metaphorical binary constructs have limiting characteristics so uh, yeah i think we should embrace and embody our masculinity our femininity and everything in between in all avenues and all of our all of our lives
0: and and what have you learned from these experiences what what kind of things have you taken away that has helped you grow as a person in terms of like expressing my uh, oh right the article
1: yeah yeah the article <laughs> actually yes, just sorry. went away <laughs> sorry um yeah i've learned that everything has the capacity to be challenged so as we just said like masculinity we can challenge what that means not just for us but for everyone i guess historically we're told of this like normative binary gender roles when actually that's false too because in history that's not that's not actually what has what we've derived from but we continue to like redefine ourselves to those constructed misconceptions so for me personally in retrospect I can appreciate the confusion so when I said that they were pushing me to like question my identity that has I've actually benefited from that despite it was scary feeling like unsure of your own self but it's you know it's part of the process of being brave and exploring and redefining yourself at times it was obviously difficult to not listen and there's just so many hegemonic ideologies and boundaries that society literally stamps on your body but it's more difficult not being true to yourself so you kind of just have to go on that journey because if you're not going to If you're not gonna accept it and take that dive, then you're gonna be
0: in more pain. And, like, obviously, seen magazine published this article that you've written. How kind of how does that feel for you that your your kind of work has been published and other other people are able to access it? And also, how has working for the magazine changed your writing approach and style?
1: I think definitely. It's been really, it's, it's a massive affirmation. It's, it's great to start a conversation and, and you know, um, internally and externally and having friends and family, like say that they're proud of you, but then also being like, oh yeah, I shared this or seeing like my friends share it on their social medias on their stories. And you can, it's not particular. I don't really care about that outreach. I just care that it's impacting people. So yeah, it's, it's been really good and I feel, I feel really great about being able to publish my work and having people read what my experiences are because I did actually find it quite difficult initially writing opinion pieces as most of my writing had been from uni. So they're all quite educational or like scholarly, but the only other creative stuff was poetry so I guess redefining my voice was difficult and I remember that one of the editors like sending stuff back to me at the beginning quite regularly like no this is it sounds like an essay it's social impact so I do need it does need to be educational but being relatable is where you can tap into other people's minds and actively create thought and create change
0: and Obviously, it's it's Pride Month currently, the time of the year mm. when many countries around the world, including the UK and the United States, celebrate to continue push for LGBTQIA+ rights. Mm-hmm. So, so, what does Pride Month 2021 mean for you, and how have you spent your time celebrating Pride Month?
1: So, it's obviously been difficult for everyone, and so has last year. I've been writing loads. And I've, be, keep, I've just been published with um, Scene Magazine again for Black Pride intersectionality. Um, I've also been writing for Bare Dating, some short form articles on Black Pride. And I think it's been really important for me to understand that we're trying to be rebellious and break down social structures and not just celebrating. And I think it's quite important to remember that there is celebration in part of this, but me actively trying to have a more sustainable role within charities and pride communities, in particular Black Pride communities. I think that this—I'm looking at the grey skies. I'm saying this. <laughs> this really, really, like, really sad year has just. Made me see like pride in a different light because I used to be the one that would be like, yeah, let's go and party, woohoo! <laughs> but like, I need to, I do want to take start taking it more seriously and and offering my time and my words and my thoughts. So yeah, I'm gonna continue to support queer artists, black queer artists, go to queer poetry nights and see some live performances and really enjoy myself. But this, the past couple. Um, summers have been really sad and that's valid and I think we can take the time to sort of address and 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 speak to those feelings you know make some make a movement and write stuff down but then also celebrate because there is a lot of celebrating that we need to catch up on
0: and what do you think people can do this pride month to raise awareness for about important issues that impact the global LGBTQIA plus community
1: conversation 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 it's so important and I think your people's idea of their Instagram following not being enough or they have you know a diverse group of friends or they're cultured you know sometimes it's the people that you don't even realize that you're going to make the biggest impact to sometimes you have distant family members that are not on your social media that need to be taught because they don't know they don't understand and they're not going to find any of their credible resources in the echo chambers of their computers or their phones so
0: conversation is
1: so important
0: what does it mean to be an ally to the lgbcqia plus community and how can people celebrate through that so I think
1: being an ally is really important because without allies, I think I think allies can help to create a lot of change. In terms of, I think with Pride and definitely Black Pride as well, they are extremely inclusive and support solidarity, but you need to do your homework. You can't come to Pride to celebrate because you were part of that pink washing capitalist money-making horrible horribleness that like, that's horrible why would you like go out of your way to sort of just use this as a party um but yeah I think it's not enough to be non not racist you have to actively be anti-racist and you can't center yourself around being uh, an ally because it's not about you so be a social disruptor you can be an ally and you can also come and celebrate your fellow queer partner well not partners that wouldn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) your (laughs) your queer friends family etc colleagues and um kind of from
0: my personal experience even though I see myself part of the LGBTQIA plus community I've never been to pride really I've never I've not I've never been to pride once why? <laughs> um, I, 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 Part of me wants to be sure about why, I, the reasons I'm going. And for a long time, I've been unsure, not about whether the the cause is good or it's not Relation. it's more of a, a personal thing. Mm. Um, I guess for, for a long time, I felt that I haven't, there's a lot of it to do with acceptance and want, wanting that kind of approval. But then at the same time, it annoys me that we have to, get that kind of approval um yeah but I want to I, I think I should go because it'll be a good experience for me I think it'll kind of help me to become more confident within myself speak or you know meet other people who have in the same position um yeah so I was wondering and there's
1: you- so much there's so much that that goes on rather than it's like oh yeah it's like a massive parade there are talks there are speeches there's There's so many different varieties and it would be interesting for you to go to um, Pride and then Black Pride and see, like hear your opinions on that too.
0: Yeah, because I think it, I I don't know, there's also like, it's the whole protest thing. I'm not a huge protest, like I don't like, you know, like large gatherings. I'm not Mm. too too crazy with that or whatever, but uh, annoyingly when I was last year, I think it was, like, the day before I moved back to London. It was the day after I moved. And then Black Lives Matter's protest happened in Bristol, and I completely missed it. And I felt so much regret, because I really wanted to go and just to see, because that would have been my first, like, proper, like, protest. And because I was so involved with it up until that point. Um, yeah. What, what advice would you give me or, or someone else who's in, like, a similar position who hasn't been to Pride? And, and, but feels that they, they want to go and they would like g- gain something from going
1: well I would say that it's your own judgement and you can go to Pride, both Prides are inclusive, I'm sure all the Prides around um, the UK are inclusive and there's loads and they're all very very fun and there is a lot of time for celebrating but there is just such a sense of community and being able to see one another in the same space with smiles on your faces is just so beautiful and so lovely and to watch the creativity ooze out of every single one of us it just really does make you think think and realize that we are all so special so I don't think that there's really any negativity to put to at least trying and having and being part of the community because we
0: literally are all there
1: with open arms.
0: Would you say that you've grown, kind of discussing all the things we've spoken about, do you feel like you've grown as an individual from when you first started or you first started to put yourself out there? Yeah, I guess so.
1: I think my, as, as I was saying, the portfolio that I was writing which never seemed to stop <laughs> <laughs> there there obviously was the, when I started playing around with like singles and um different music albums and then really f- refining my voice which is still open to like loads of new things and I'm always trying out new stuff as well but yeah obviously as you research and you learn you you become accustomed to new knowledge and and you grow as an individual because of that and your writing will affect people and you speak to new people that you want to interview and like yeah it's all a learning process so I think in each step each book each interview that I do I'm learning and I don't think that will ever stop and I think that's what's really exciting about being a journalist is that it just will never stop
0: and what what are the, some of the things obviously because of last year's as we mentioned before, it's quite a difficult year. But this year, things are starting to become to like a new normal, you know, in quotation marks. But what, what are some of the things you'd like to achieve this year? And how do you think you'll get there? We
1: have this whole relaxing of lockdown, which has been really, really difficult. But I really want to start interviewing live performances, art, artists, whether that's like, spoken word or music artists but I want to go to festivals and events and I want to catch them just after their performances like whilst they've got that high on them and just really like capture that exact feeling because I know how that feels but I don't think I've ever been interviewed after that so that is one of my goals I've set that in stone I do have another I am trying to branch out to other magazines to work on a more freelance basis um so I'm not just pigeonholed with one really really great LGBT magazine which I'm I'm loving working for so that's another one of my goals and finally it would be to continue I'm I've been going to pole dance and yoga and I've got salsa later (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I just got class passed so there you go free promo and um Yeah, it's just been, I've been trying to get my fitness back up. So I'm going to hopefully try and be doing a lot more performing. And in order for me to do that, I need to get my fitness back up. And that will positively affect my mental health. And yeah, so I think I've got quite a few goals, like quite really refined ones, actually, now that I think about it. But there's nothing other than what I'm already doing that I think I need to put out there because I am quite happy... And I am on a upward slope trajectory, which
0: is very good. Uh, I was wondering if you've ever thought about. I, I obviously I don't know the, the the details of like setting up your own magazine and stuff. I I imagine there's a lot to it, but have you ever considered doing that as well, like setting up your own brand?
1: Yeah, I just I I noticed a colleague has um. That has their own magazine, and I have quite a few friends that, and it's just they're on quite small scales, but they're so, they're so cool. And I've, I've seen other agencies offer funding and pitching, which when I got these emails and signed up to these like subscription lists, I just didn't have any of the ideas that I do now. So I think, yeah, 100%, 100%, that's something I'm definitely interested in and i just need to get get to work really there's no no one's going to wait for you you just have to do it
0: <laughs> no i think i think that's that's 100% true like otherwise you'll just keep on sitting on the idea and it'll never happen if you don't make that first initial start mm. or, or move you won't ever get to the place you you're aiming to get to yeah and the later you leave it, the longer it's going to take also, at some point, you'll you'll come to the realization. I, I came to this realization quite recently, when you're planning projects or you want to, you know, come up with a brand or whatever. You're eventually you're going to have to need a team of people because it's it's really difficult doing everything by yourself. Mm. And that yeah. that's good at the moment because you're actively collaborating with people, and you're you know in work and outside of work. Um, and you've got a great, like, you've got great engagement on your socials, you've got, you know, you're attending these Pride events, you're constantly writing about important issues, and issues which are, like, kind of frowned upon, um, mm. and you're, you're making your way closer and closer towards, like, a, a goal, or, like, a destination where you see yourself in a few years' time, and obviously it will change. You're... you're plan of action or your your way you see yourself will change because you're, you're learning so much over time
1: yeah and I think there's like so much ambiguity in ideas and concepts but sometimes at, in ideation in ideation stage it doesn't need to be solidified and I can completely change up a brand or an idea later on and I think people need to not be scared because I've been so scared to like ever put out content of me dancing or like recently because I've been out of training or you know and I don't want to show the best of the best but really you need to go through the journey to get to where you need to be because otherwise you're not going to know what's going right well what's not going well you're not going to have these object um yeah these this place these objects that you need that, that you need to refine and and you know make something beautiful
0: and, and what advice would you give someone being a, an aspiring writer at the beginning of their journey just, I think it's actually quantity not quality
1: it really is you need to start writing straight away and just by writing and doing all the different types of genres and styles and techniques you will just end up finding which one you like the most and then you can focus on quality once you build up that portfolio you will get the dm you will get the you will find the emails and you you know you can move them from there but it literally is quantity not quality
0: <laughs> well thank you so much jack it, you know it's been it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm, i, I want to thank you for being able to open up and be quite honest about some of the some of the areas we covered and I think I'm hoping that people gain something from this because I found it quite insightful myself um yeah yeah.
1: thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed this conversation it's been really it's been really engaging and I like sharing and I feel that a lot of these new prospects are like clearer in my head now just from this conversation
0: so thank you if, if people want to follow, I'm probably going to add the links and stuff to the end anyway, but if people want to find you on Instagram or kind of socials.
1: So predominantly I use Instagram and that's at JK Groovin, J-K-G-R-O-O-V-I-N. And then on there, you can find my website, my portfolio, my writing Instagram, just on my link tree. So yeah, JK Groovin.